Welcome to Americana Quill, writer to writer. Please like and subscribe and tell a friend that likes to subscribe. Today I have the honor of sitting down with an author who released two books, Massive Deception and On Mass Face of Evil. Massive Deception, the synopsis is Mason Still was a highly decorated army officer after the death of his former friend and soldier, his life took a turn for the worse. At his bank, his closest friend comes to, re comes to the rescue. And maybe he could have a second chance at life now that he has met Kiara. Unfortunately, someone wants to not only destroy it, but kill him. Kiara seems to be running from her own horrible past. Will love triumph or will they both be destroyed? Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome the author of these two books, Christopher Thompson. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How you doing yourself? I'm good, man. Just taking these. You can't complain. I hear you. I understand that. So, um, I guess my first question is, how is your health during these times? Pretty much because of the pandemic and, you know, mental health more than anything, I, I, I assume is, is a lot that you have to deal with. Well, because of the mental times, um, I've been doing a lot more writing because it's my, it's my peaceful time. Mm -hmm. It's my time to myself. So I've been doing that. I've likely been getting people coming to me for help. So I've been keeping myself busy. Well, that's good. So that I don't concentrate on the stress. Right. So was writing this book, writing your books, is it something that energizes you or does it make you exhausted after you finish your completion of your work? It actually excites me. Mm -hmm. It excites me. I know some people do it to a point where they do an outline and they, they know how it ends, but I pretty like much like to write out the beginning and let the book write itself. You see, I do the beginning and end and then let the middle find its way to the ending that I, I saw fit from the beginning. Right. And if things change, then they change. But at least I know my beginning and ending because those are the two points that most uh, people of the mind will remember more than anything. Right. In my head, I have I have that mental ending. But, you know, I'll write down the beginning and then whatever's falling in a place in between there. So if it shifts the ending, I'm not upset. No, that makes sense. I, I've done that a few times too. So no, I totally get what you're saying. Was writing something you always wanted to do and or you found it later on in life that, hey, this is something I actually enjoy doing compared to like maybe as a kid, if you always thinking one day I would want to write? Well, here's the, here's the odd thing. Like when I was younger, I wrote everything. I entered whatever writing contest there was. I usually won them, but I got to a point in life where I was told it's not really going to get me anywhere. So why get into it? So I gave it up. I may, actually turned down may, like a. May I ask who told you uh, not to, to keep <laughs> going in that? Just, just say family. Okay. <laughs> Let's leave it at that. And I actually turned up a two-year junior um, journalism scholarship because of that. So... I hadn't wrote in years and I had an incident at work where, well, I operate trains and I had an incident at work where a young lady decided to take her life. And the stress of it was just driving me insane. I was yelling at my kids whenever they slammed the car door. I was getting mad at my wife and then I was getting upset because I wasn't at work. And 
I had a supervisor come to me and say, well, what do you like to do? I said, well, in the past, I used to write. So he challenged me to write a book. Mm. That became Mask of Deception. Gotcha. That's amazing how something you did as a kid comes back full circle in its own unique ways. That's interesting. Right. It, it was it was kind of weird because um, at that same time, my pastor in the church had invited motivational speaker Simon T. Bailey to the church. And one of the things he asked the audience is, what is that one thing that you would do even if you didn't get paid for it? And I sat there and I thought, and I thought, I would still write. He said, usually that's your gift. Right. And that gift, that gift is it for you, no matter how much you think it is, that gift is for you to share with others. Right. So, no, I agree with that. But writing is not a, a cheap profession if you want to do it independent, as me and you both know. But yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not at all. <laughs> you got to sew a lot into it. Right, absolutely. So writing this series, um, how did the initial concept come about, if you don't mind me asking? Here's the crazy part, okay. Um, Master Deception, originally when I was younger, it started off as a comic book. You know, mm. me and my best friend, we sat there and we said, you know, we'd write a comic book about superheroes. He was he was a good graphic artist and I was the, I was the writer. So we was like, yeah, let's do a comic book. We had superhero names for it and everything. And I gave it up and I threw it to the side and I don't know whatever happened to it. But when I sat down, and start thinking about what I would write, that's what came to my head. And it changed into, I was tired of picking up books where the black people were the antichrist of the book. They mm. couldn't be the hero. They couldn't be the love interest. They had to be the drug dealer, the pimp, the prostitute, whatever. Right, the, the extra urban them. world type of stories instead of us having right. like our own crime series and different things like that of solving the crime, like Alex Cross, things like that. I get what you're saying. Exactly. So I wanted to make it something to where we could all relate. And at the same time, we could get motivation from it. Okay, like, okay, there's people that still believe in love. There's still people that believe in chivalry and stuff like that. Right. No, that makes sense. So did you outline any of that part of the book or this is all like just off that first instinct? like, okay, I remember this as a child, the kind of the direction I was going, let me just take it in a more adult approach. Actually, no, it was, it was all fresh. It was all new. I mean, the whole de detectives, because in the comic book idea we had, they were detectives, but that's the only thing I used mm -hmm. was that it had to be a detective. Did your friend ever get the opportunity to uh, read the book or read parts of the book? Or you guys don't keep in touch for you to like mention it to him? Like, yo, I, I did he is, he is like, he is truly like my brother. And I've known him for, not my words, 40 years. Right. <laughs> so he's currently trying to do his own book. And I'm trying to help him on whatever level I can help him on or push him to somebody who can help him a little better, whichever way it happens. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, so what is your work schedule like when you're writing? Like, is it like two hours a day uh, when you're in writing in the writing mode? 
when I'm in the writing mode, I write throughout the day. Like if I have, say I have a 20 minute break in between and during the work day, during those 20 minutes I'm writing, then I'll go, go down the road or whatever. When I come back from down the road, I'm writing again because it helps alleviate the stress of the work day. Mm-hmm. It, it puts me in a different mindset. And the fact that I sit and write and a lot of my coworkers have personally bought the books. Mm-hmm. They continue to motivate me because they're like, okay, when are you coming out with your next book? Or are you coming out with the third one to this story? What's going on? So mm-hmm. they kind of help motivate it. Right. And it helps to have a, a good support system when you're when you're following your dream a writing village helps you know it helps you at least break even just because they want to see the story and it's you know it's all about getting your name out there it's not easy but having people that know that you're a good writer and a good storyteller that keeps on wanting more stories keeps you motivated to keep going so no that's beautiful that you you know you established that it's not easy of course of course plus i i know you read the first one and i was a really when i put it out it wasn't intended to go out the way it did, mm-hmm. but I I was thankful for the reception that it got. Right. Because when I put it out, I, I was joking, put it in on Amazon, like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this book, and what do y'all think? Should I do it? Should I not do it? And I had literally clicked on Amazon for it to send me the proofs. Next thing I know, I get a message from a coworker talking about, yeah, I just ordered your book. I'm like, how'd you order it? Mm. She had she had the copy of the book before I had the proof. You clicked the wrong button, my friend. <laughs> no, I honest I honestly didn't because the proof came after she got the book. Mm-hmm. So I hit the right button, but I guess I say God has his own it's his own thing. Like, hey, if you keep hesitating, you'll never put it out. So let's right. make sure it gets out there. Mm-hmm. Because you know, with most writers, as you write your story keeps changing because it's never quite perfect to you if you're a true writer. Right. Well, that's when you got to tell yourself, I got to put it down because it's, it's going to, it's not going to get much better than this. And you might, you know, just right. take forever. Yeah. yeah. That's why yeah, most, your first, yeah, your but most people, sorry. yeah, no, true. Oh, but what happens is that really, you rarely change up after your first draft. You might change a few moments, but you're not changing up your whole book after you complete a whole first draft. So that's what they say. Right. Take three months, complete the whole first draft, and then from there you check through it. But you're not going to change much once you already have it set in stone pretty much because that's what you intended for it to be, whether you know it or not. Right. Right. No, I totally get but, that. You know, I, I think the wonderful teacher that I had, we ain't going to mention <laughs> his name, but I think... <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah. I thank you, I, I thank you a lot, cuz, because you, you helped me to get through a lot of it and understand it a little better. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate your help. And, you know, we still talk and I still ask you for guidance. So No, absolutely. And I'm, I'm just glad I could be of service. You know, it's taking this journey is not an easy path, but it's a rewarding one when, once you start to get into it. So I'm glad that um, you're just sticking with it and, you you know, you're writing your stories. So so how many books are in your how many books are in your potential series? Oh, is it like a, th- a trilogy? Are you trying to do five? Um, I really don't have it set in stone. I want him to have, I want him to have his own continuing series. I want to do different storylines, different plots. Um, I got a whole new direction for it for the next one. 
but I, I want to be able to write other books as well because I don't want to just be known for this series. Yeah, you don't want to be pigeonholed. That's why I wrote standalones first, and now I'm starting to do series. Right, so right. my first crime series I'm doing because I read your book. I was like, oh, wow, crime series. I never thought about doing one. And so mine okay. is based off the civil rights leader, um, Mega Evers, if he was to have a grandson, if he survived his assassination. And if he had mm -hmm. a great grandson, that I think their trade would be like them becoming lawyers since he applied to like go to law school at, at Ole Miss when he was denied. So him be and a potential lawyer, if he has survived his assassination eventually, right. I made his great grandson become a lawyer, and now he's like fighting crime, kind of coloring outside the lines from time to time to like make sure justice is is prevailed. So I have a five book series with that, but then I have a spinoff of like another character from like the last book that I plan on writing. I already wrote four of them, which I'm going to release all next year, and then I'm going to you know pace it out after that. But I just wanted to kind of do like the Netflix of writing where like they have it all out there where they can buy one, buy one, buy one, buy one and get through those and then right. make them wait okay. a little bit. So that's kind of what you. my thought process was with that. I got you. Cause uh, I get uh, most of my views come from like the family. Like my son will sit there and say, Hey dad, I want you to be able to write a, a children's book for me. So I, I had an idea for a children's book. I have right. so many, it, and it's, it's weird because you forget about the joy of writing you had as a child, but it comes back. As soon as you start writing, then boom, another book is coming into your head in the middle of the book that you are currently writing. So you right. have to take time and, and put it, put your little notes to the side so you don't lose your spot and then continue writing. But it keeps you excited. It gives you so much energy, especially when you're writing it and your characters start to take their own path and the book starts to excite you like okay i didn't know it was going this way but right. yeah i liked it <laughs> you know no 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 it's a beautiful thing it's more of a um it's like god's downloads come to you and you don't want to forget them so then you you got to take the time to write them down but you got to remember to finish the, the task at hand which isn't always easy because then people get motivated to write the next book and not finish the book that they're actually supposed to be working on so do you give yourself tight deadlines I, I don't because of my schedule, but I make sure that I at least spend at least an hour a day on my, on my book. On the weekends when I'm off, I'm spending time with the wife, I'm writing, spending more time with the wife and kids, writing. So I take time, but I'll give myself like an hour here and there throughout the weekend mm -hmm. where I'll, I'll take a break from me and then I'll go back to the family, you know? Got you. Like, the wife is working now. I'm doing this podcast. We're working it out. And then we'll spend time together. And then later on, I'll sit down and I'll write. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I, I, I'm sorry, I felt like I cut you off for a second. What were you about to say? Um, Pretty much probably forgot it. But uh, <laughs> I was listening to how you was telling, you know, how you doing a series and right now everybody's asking me about other characters in my book and mm -hmm. the book I'm writing now is literally about the pastor that was in the first book mm. and his family. So the twist his family takes and what he's actually been through. So I'm, uh, this book right now is exciting me and I'm still in the beginning. I feel like I'm still in the beginning phases, but I'm up to like 
page 182 and I'm still going. Wow. <laughs> so you might have to do two I, I parts. I don't know exactly where it's going to go. I may have to. I may have to. Or I might just give them one nice thick one. Yeah. Because it seems that whenever I write it, then the people are telling me, yeah, I read that book in a day or I read that book in two days and I'm ready for the next one. And I'm like, okay, okay, y'all gotta give me time. <laughs> Yeah, I don't people like when they enjoy a book, it's a quick page turner for them, but they don't know how much you wrap your head around every moment to make it feel like a page turner. So I totally get that. Exactly. And I um, one thing I've learned in writing is to make sure that when you put pen to paper, you're descriptive of what you do, because you want to make sure that you pull the person into the book. You want them to see everything that you see in your imagination. Right. Like they're literally standing there. You don't want to say, well, he went down the block. What did he look like? <laughs> you have no description, but you're just right. going with, yeah. You want nah, to yeah, take you, that picture out to all he looks, whatever. You want them to even have a bird's eye view if they're outside or like be a fly in the wall inside of a building pretty much. So no, that makes sense. Exactly. So I like to ask people, who do they write for? Like I know, when I first started writing, it, it was my mom, and now it's more of like my mom and my wife. Like if I could get them to like the book, then I know I got something because they're avid readers. So I got you. Who, when who I do you write for? Started, when I first started writing, part of it was for me to get over my stress, but it was also for my kids. Mm. I wanted to be able to show them that whatever you put your your mind to whatever you dream, don't be afraid to chase after it and accomplish it. Right. And my continuation in my writing, God rest his soul, is my dad who just passed two years ago. He yeah, was- rest in peace. Whatever I did, he was always in my corner. And when I finished the first one, I literally was supposed to take it to him in the hospital for his own personal copy. And he passed before I can do it. And one thing he always told me is to keep writing because he was an exquisite writer. So he always told me, keep writing. So to in remembrance of him, I continue to keep writing. I continue to push through it. Even when I have those difficult days where I'd be like, okay, I don't know what, what I'm going to write, write. I don't know what I'm going to do. He pops into my head and I just sit down and I just, I go. Right. No, I totally get that. So what do you think makes a good story and what makes your story so good? Because I enjoyed the first one that left with a cliffhanger, so I got to pick up the next one. But You have to you have to pick up the next one because you, you yeah. really have to see the direction it took. No, and, definitely. Um, as, I, as I plan to get better, maybe one day me and, me and my cousin will sit down and we could throw one together. But as I'm learning, we got a very talented family, so yeah. my, all all three of us, all three of us might have to get together and put pen to paper. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know, we might uh, have to, we might have to get Tyler run for his money. <laughs> no, I hear you. I definitely hear you. So what what do you, what do, what makes a good story to you though? First off, detail is key. Mm -hmm. You you. You have to look at what people actually want to read about and 
if you can be different, you have to dare to be different in the right direction. Like I right. said, a lot of people read, a lot of people pick up books and they got drug dealers and this, that, and the other. Don't we do other stuff besides that? I mean, what? <laughs> why we got to always be shown in a negative light? So you have to be able to show that, you know, you like, oddly, when I wrote my first book, a family member picked it up. I put a little tease of intimacy in there and I was told it was a porno. No, it's not a porno. <laughs> it's not even that. I was like, did you even read the rest of the book? No. So you have to sit down. You have to make yeah. sure. Sometimes family's not always the best support when you ask for critiques, though. It's like you got to just say right. thank you for, for buying the book and leave it at that. But you have to make sure that when you write, you grab that reader's attention. A, no, a person's attention, a person, person's attention span is real quick. And if you don't gr grab it attention in the first couple of seconds, you've lost them. They won't read the rest of the book. True. They will not. So once you grab that attention, you have to maintain it. No, I agree. And that's why I try to advise people don't overwrite where they feel like the book is taking too long to get them where they want to go is to know the rest of the story. It's especially as an independent author until you build up a brand writing 500, 600 pages isn't, isn't the way to go. If that's how you feel, then right. make it a three part book with some cliffhangers. So no, I totally get what you're saying. Right. That's why I did the first two, the first one and the second one. I left you with cliffhangers to where you ready to read the next one. Mm -hmm. Because if I give you everything, then you're probably going to be like, okay, that's it. <laughs> no, but I think that's the mastery of um, a series where it's like, you might end a part of the book, a part of a chapter of like that main story, but like there's something leading into the next, the next book. Right. You, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very similar to episodic series episodes that are like continuations from one to ten, like you know, episodes of like a, a a TV series. Like it all is leading up to like the grand finale, but then even after that grand finale, if there's another season, it's something else attaching the lineage of each story. So no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I tell a lot of people like I barely. Everybody's like, "Well, don't you watch TV?" And I'm like, "No, I barely watch TV." because I write so much, I don't want it to cloud my ideas of what I'm putting pen to paper to. I don't yeah. want it to be somebody else's idea that I'm writing about. That's true. But like they say, do you at least read books? Cause they say you're supposed to, at least, you should at least read to be read more books and make you a better writer. So. My my favorite reader of all, of writer of all time is Dean Koontz. I don't know why, but he is. I've always mm -hmm. been into Dean Koontz series. So I read a lot of that. Right now I'm reading a lot of self-help stuff like Simon T. Bailey, I read him. Uh, um, yeah. I, have, I have friends that wrote books, I have you. Yeah. <laughs> so I try yeah. to pick up y'all books and show support of that. Right, absolutely. So uh, that kind of leads into one of my other questions. What is your favorite book of all time? Fiction, and then what's your favorite book nonfiction of all time, if you have two? Oh. My favorite book of all time, it, it, it ended up becoming a movie, was Dean Koontz's Watchers. It's about, um, I don't know if you've ever read it. It's about how the government was poisoning the water and controlling people. No, I don't believe. 
Yeah, it was. It sounds familiar, the TV movie, but like I don't think I ever saw it or, or watched the book. Right. It was. It was a real interesting concept, and sometimes people write stuff, and then later you can go into a book and be like, "Wait a minute, he wrote something about something like this happening, and now it's happening now." <laughs> like this is crazy. Right. It's it's like forward thinking almost. Yeah. Right. Or so, foreshadowing a tale that is soon to happen. Yeah. And I don't know if you call it nonfiction, but it's actually a self-help book. But like I said, Simon T. Bailey, I'm into him heavily. So Discovering Your Brilliance by him, it's a, it's a great motivational book and gets you to look into, look at yourself and figure out, okay, what is it that I like to do? What is my dream? And how can I bring this dream forth? Mm. Okay. You feel like you learned a lot of good habits from that or, or a lot of the interesting things that he speaks on? Yes, yes, I definitely have. And I don't know if you haven't noticed that I've created a book, a group on Facebook called Become. It's because of stuff like that that I read where I feel like we don't push each other to become the greatness that we are meant to be. Mm. So no, if, if you yeah. a business or whatever you're doing, I want to be able to help push it forward, help it first, basically. Right. No, that makes sense. What do you? What would you say is your writing quirk? Like, what's one thing you got to do right before you start writing? Is it like sweep? Is it? Is it clean the desk? Is it tap a pen for a few minutes? Like, what's your your particular writing quirk? I have to have everything that I need. I don't care if it's a bottle of water, something to snack on, whatever. I have to I have to literally set that all up so that I don't keep going back and forth because I feel if I get up and I start going back and forth, then I get distracted and I won't come back to what I'm doing. Right. I don't know if you understand that, but yeah. So okay. I have to really focus and get everything set. Because when no, you're writing, no. distraction is is the one downfall. No, definitely, I could see that, and it's happened to me at times too. So no, definitely. Right. Some people play music in the background, but I feel like that could be a distraction too. If you unless they don't have words to it, so it depends. <laughs> yeah. Like um, I've read a lot of books. I'll read books just because somebody said it was good. I read Fifty Shades of Grey, and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Where are right. we going with this? Right. But then I'll read a book and sometimes I get all the way to the end and I'm really not impressed by the ending. I'm like, okay, what would I do to make it better? How would I change Oof. it? Yeah. I think that's what writing, I mean, reading reading and writing does to you. It, it makes you more of a, um, I don't want to say a critic, but it makes you want to reevaluate if you were to like, have some of these premises how would you create the story for yourself for, for other viewers of course. So. of course but see the bad thing is it also because you write if you're watching the show now you're sitting there and you're looking at where the angles are gonna go what's gonna happen in the show and you'd be like okay i know what the ending is gonna be and you walk out the room and everybody's like how do you know because I, I i pictured what the writer is going through so i know what it's gonna do right not only that, when you realize you can only tell but so many stories, you you you'll find out the angles very fast. Like you know, right? Unless they're purposely trying to 
make sure everyone's mad that is watching their TV show. It's it's not hard to to dictate it. Although I still find it very entertaining, but you know, it's not hard to oh, yeah. to yeah. find the levels of the changes of where they're going to come at and when the twists of, of the story will be at. So no, absolutely. Right. I, I, I like something that's going to, even when I'm reading something that's going to challenge my intellect, challenge mm-hmm. my mind. Don't just, don't just let me figure it out in the first couple of seconds. Give me a twist. Give me something that's going to absolutely change. That's why I say you have to read the second one because the twists are all in there. No, I, I'm definitely going to, I've been just reading so many books right now, but it's definitely on my list to, to get for sure. No, I'm sure you are, especially now. Yeah. Especially now. And yeah. On, on top of that, writing is just to get your time together. Yeah, no, absolutely. So how many books do you have slated out um, to come out for 2021? I'm planning at least three. Mm-hmm. Um, early to be re- to be released out. or to like at least have written to at least have written okay I know for a fact um the one that I'm writing now voice family secrets is gonna probably be out late January okay okay and that makes sense this probably will come out in February so you can say release now if you want or <laughs> Okay, and then I also have a, um, I have a young lady that I'm helping. She she does erotic stories, so we're trying to release her book by around Valentine's Day. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, give a look. You know, women like that erotic stuff. Give them something yeah. to read around around then. But then I also have another young lady I'm helping who also does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Then I'm helping somebody with a book of poetry. So in between there, I gotta get my time in there right no that makes sense absolutely you know i'm trying to i'm trying to reach your greatness right now (laughs) you know i mean i'm just still working at it you know just building 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 my foundation man can't can't call it that's okay that's okay uh yeah i literally have I've, i've been connected with somebody that is great with doing book trailers so i'm gonna actually release a book trailer for the third one before it's done Nice. So that should that's be it. that should be in the next couple of weeks. Nice, nice, nice. No, that's beautiful. Yeah, I I have seven books that I have um, getting ready to be released in twenty twenty one. So I'm gonna take a like a year hiatus after that of even writing, just build up you know this podcast foundation of just doing more episodes and different things like that. So right. I you know, just trying to that's... trying to build a business around the books now a little bit more. So just you know, just working working smart and a little hard, but not you know not too much where I, I'm not enjoying the the process. Oh, okay, I hear you. I hear you. So, um, do you have any questions for me before we wrap up? So, with you doing your writing, how do you feel marketing it? can improve or will improve? I think it will improve when I'm not thinking of myself as a writer and I'm more of just putting myself out there more. It's like, I'll put it out there for like three weeks. I might promote it and then I'll let it go. But it's like, you got to do the groundwork before you even lead up to the books. So I'm trying to do that now. 
I have a website now that I'm, you know, I'm trying to build out and um, have blogs on it weekly that I'm putting out to, to people. So mm-hmm. I'm just now starting to truly try to connect the dots, especially now that I'm going into a book series, because my goal was to always have a book catalog first. So when I get them to fall in love with one book, they'll keep on wanting to look at my other, you know, bibliography, I guess you can say. And so now that I have seven books and I have seven coming out, I have 14 books on the market. So I'm taking that whole year after I release these books strictly to market, strictly to let people get to know me a little better. And that's that's really my main focus. It's not about continuously writing at this point. It's about now, how do I connect the dots of getting people to give me a, my books a chance? So. So I'm, I'm still building it now. That's, you know, that's that's the focus going into 2021 and leaving 2022 for sure. I got you. I got you. I get a lot of people like that try to speak greatness into me. And one of the things that I was told from reading my first book is, hey, you're going to end up starting your own publishing company. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't think I really want to do it. And now I'm getting these people talking to me and coming to me for advice. So how did you basically start your publishing company? Um, I just, you know, just branded it with a logo and then did some of the necessary steps. But I, I want to call it, I published for myself. I wouldn't say I published for other people, but I'm willing to be a, a counselor or a coach to help them get their dreams out. But I'm not in a position to give them a book deal or anything like that. So I wouldn't call myself a publisher, but I do try to advise them creatively if they need it um, through either me ghostwriting for them or co-writing with them, like, you know, so I offer those services where it's like, I'm putting labor in with you to help you get your goal out, but I'm not the, I wouldn't call myself a publisher for them necessarily, but I publish for myself, but it's all underneath the umbrella Americana Quill where, you know, I I ghostwrite, co-write or screenwrite for people. So just, just staying creative. That's all that is. So in beginning your screenwriting, how is it different from regular writing? It's just different structure, really. Um, less less details, but enough for where the director can take it wherever they would see fit. That's kind of how it is when you write a spec script. You kind of just write, write the bare bones of it with like the dialogue kind of helps tell the story and the description of the action of the, of the character movements. But you don't necessarily... <laughs> you know, describe the color of every last thing in a, in a screenplay the way you would do a book. Much less colorful. By the way, by the way congratulations on your uh, your film. Oh, thank you. I don't know if you got a chance to see that. Yes, I did. I did watch it when you put it up there. I made sure I watched it. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, that was me and a good friend, um, Greg DaCosta. He was the director. He kind of brought me in to help me, to let me write a little bit on it. And then I had the, the honor to um, also be a producer on it. So I'm just, you know, just grateful that I was able to be a part of that project. It won a few awards too. So, I'm, you know, just overall. I, I just saw grateful. that. I saw that. Yeah. I, I brag about it. I, I say my family does great things. I say, you oh, I appreciate that. that. <laughs> I appreciate that so, so much. Yes. Thank you, cuz. So yeah, I think with that, asked me like who, who motivates you, and I said, I said my little cousin actually motivates me. I said, <laughs> if, 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 if you ever go onto his 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 Amazon author's page and just read how he started and his struggles of actually how he made it, and he's still doing it, I said he'll motivate you. 
No, I appreciate that. No, thank you. No problem. You ain't gotta thank me. (laughs) I gave you the gift. I just recognize it. No, I appreciate that. So I think I'm going to wrap it here, but pretty much we do a quote of the week and the lyric of the week. And the quote of the week is from Robert Collier. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Okay. But the quote is, success, the sum of small effort is repeated day in and day out. So I just think that's a great quote for writers because it's, you know, it's a, it's a small things that you do that leads up to you actually having a book. A chapter a week, writing for 10 to 20 minutes, whatever time you have, as long as you stay on your pace, you'll eventually get your your the, the, the results you want to yield out. So that's that. And then lyric of the week um, comes from a particular artist. Let me see if I wrote it down. So I forgot to write the actual artist, but I'm going to read the lyrics of the week because I think, you know, writing is important in every genre and every facet of, of creativity. So here are the lyrics of the week. They heard me singing and they told me to stop, quit these pretentious things and just punch the clock. These days, my life, I feel it has no purpose. But late at night, the feelings swim to the surface because on the suburbs, the city lights shine. They're calling at me. Come and find your kind. Sometimes I wonder if the world's so small, then we can never get away from the sprawl. Living in the sprawl, dead shopping malls rise like mountains beyond mountains and there's no end in sight. I need the darkness, someone please cut the lights. So I apologize everyone for me not having the artist. I thought I wrote it down, but I just thought those lyrics were very um, potent. And I just wanted to share that with everyone and with Chris. So thank you for uh, being my guest. Anytime, anytime. Thank you for having me. No, thank you for even doing this, man. It's, you know, just still building it brick by brick, but I appreciate you uh, helping me build the foundation with this one. Oh, definitely. You're going to help a lot of writers come to light. One thing that people got to know is everybody has a story. You just got to learn how to write it down. True. And with that said, this is Americana Quill, writer, writer. Y'all have a great day. Take care.